0: idea of this passage is found in verse 5 right off the bat let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus in other words Paul is teaching us to have the mind of Christ he's exhorting us to have Christ's mind and of course Christ's mind the way that Paul describes it in this passage is the mind of a servant he's exhorting us to put on a mind of humility and service to others And so the context here helps define a little bit of what kind of mind a servant mindset is by describing its contrary. Christ's mind was not self-serving, as we read about in verse 3 and 4. And uh, let me just read those passages to you briefly. Here's what Paul says. He says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition, or that is, through self-serving. Let nothing be done through conceit or self-exaltation. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let us have this mindset that we see others as those who are to be served. That we see others as masters to be served, not as slaves to serve us. And he elaborates on on this in verse 4 when he says, Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let us have a servant mindset looking out for the needs and the burdens of others. And so in verse six to eleven, Paul summarizes three things about Christ's servant mindset that will be helpful for us this morning and which will lead us to worship Jesus for who he is and what he's done in verse six. We see the presupposition of his mindset in verse seven and eight. We see the sacrifice in his mindset and in verse nine and eleven. We see the glorious outcome of his mindset Now, what's interesting about this passage before we begin to look at these verses that I want you to be thinking about is the tension that we see Paul illustrating in this passage. There's a tension in this text, and it's the tension between service and glory. There is glory through service. And you remember Jesus' own words in the gospel, how he brings out this very same tension when he says that those who are great in his kingdom and the greatest in his kingdom is the one who makes himself servant of all. And the one who is first in his kingdom is the one who became, becomes a slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Jesus is the King of kings because he is the servant of servants. And this is a wonderful and glorious tension or paradox that we see in the scriptures. This idea, this tension is also captured in the text that Pastor Bain will be preaching on this morning in Second Corinthians 8 9. Where Paul says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. And here again we see this tension, this tension between riches and poverty in Christ's kingdom, this tension between service and glory. And we want to be thinking about this as we come into the text. So in verse 6 we see the presupposition of Christ's servant mindset, and the pattern begins with the glory of his sonship. Service must come from somewhere. (laughs) And with Christ, it comes from the glory that he had before the world together with his father. This is what Paul mentions to us in verse six. Who, that is Jesus, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. The statement or the point that Paul is making here is that Jesus was the form of God. That is, he had the essence or the nature of the divine. Jesus is one with his father in his divinity. The doctrine of the Trinity teaches us that Jesus received this divinity, the Son of God received this divinity from the Father, from before all worlds, and he shares it with him everlasting and eternal. It's equal to the Father's glory. And so He shared in all the majesty and all the power and all the authority and all the glory which comes with the nature of his Father, the divine nature. Jesus is God. Notice also that Jesus had no problem acknowledging the truth or the justice of this claim. He did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. In fact, we see this in Jesus' ministry, don't we? Where Jesus is very bold to say, I and my Father are one. And I come from my Father. And the the Father has given me all authority. He's given me authority to judge. And we see Jesus in His miracles, uh, raising the dead and walking on water. And calming storms and casting out demons. And they call him the son of the most high God. And he doesn't rebuke them and so on. Jesus receives worship. He has no problem acknowledging the truth of his claim. That he is God, equal with God. And that he comes in the glory of his sonship. Jesus Christ was rich with his father's glory. And that's the presupposition of his mindset. Secondly, the service or the sacrifice of Christ's mindset he, although Christ is God, he became a servant for poor, unworthy, undeserving, weak people like you and me. He humbled himself in service to his Father's will, in service to us. He humbled himself. He became our servant. Now notice how Paul describes this in verse 7 uh, through 8. Notice that Jesus here is taking something to himself. It's easy to misunderstand this passage and to see Jesus emptying Himself. He's taking something to Himself. That's what we want to see here. He doesn't divest or put off something. He puts on something. He adds something, so as it were, to Himself. What we see in verse 7, notice how He ex- explains this. He says, He made Himself of no reputation. He took upon Himself our poverty, our shame, He took the form of a bondservant. He took the nature of a slave. That is, he took upon himself human nature. He came in the likeness of men. The way Paul puts this in another place is the likeness of sinful flesh. He came in our weakness and our poverty. And being found in appearance as a man... There we see that he is a man. Now Paul is not saying that Jesus merely appeared to be a man. He's saying that when Jesus appeared, people discovered that he was a man. This is who he is. He has the human nature upon himself. He's taken it to himself. And having done this, he humbled himself in our human nature and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Here we see him being a servant to his father, obedient to God to die for our sins, to become such a servant that he's willing even to sacrifice his own life for our sakes. Well, you understand these verses are a great mystery. We could preach series. We could have conferences. The church has looked into these passages for a long, long time. Well, so without, get, uh, without getting lost in the details, <clears throat> this passage clearly teaches that Jesus, though he was God, took to himself A human nature. That's what you need to get this morning. (laughs) He took to Himself your burdens. He took to Himself your weaknesses. He took to Himself your shame, your guilt, your death, your punishment, your condemnation. The things that you could not bear, He took to Himself. He took your responsibilities, as it were, to stand before God and to reflect His image. He took it to Himself so that He might bear what you were unable to bear in your sin. He did this in service to you. He became a, sir, a servant to sinful people for salvation. He became a true savior of mankind. And ultimately he did so, as the text tells us in verse 8, to the, in service to the Father. Because it was the Father's will. He became obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. Taking death and the penalty of sin and our condemnation upon himself. So that in him we might live he did this for the Father's sake. He did this for the Father's will, for the glory of the Father. And so we can summarize Jesus' mindset like this. Jesus was willing to take all that we are in giving all that he is in service to God. And this is the mindset that we're to be putting on. We're to imitate Christ in this. We're to take on each other's burdens as we're able and as we have opportunity. in imitation of Christ. <laughs> so that we can share in his glory together and all bring glory to God, the Father. And so we see the outcome of Christ's mindset. Again, here we see this tension. (laughs) Glory through service, right? Jesus, as the servant of servants, becomes the one that we worship. We worship God through him. God exalts him, and we bow our knee to him, and it's all to the glory of the Father. This is what Paul is going to tell us here. But again, we see this tension. Glory through service. Jesus is worshiped because he has served us The greatest extent. He's become our Savior. He's the greatest in the kingdom. He's the first. He's the Son of Man who came not to be served, but to serve. Now notice how Paul describes this because it's beautiful. It's amazing what he's saying here. Of course, the main idea that Paul is saying is that we owe him our worship for all that he's done for us. But this is interesting how he puts this. In verse 9, He states that God has exalted Christ as our Savior and as our example to follow. I think that's really the idea that Paul's getting at here in this context. Jesus was a servant of servants. Therefore, verse 9, God has highly exalted him. The gospel goes out everywhere. This message of Jesus and what he's done for us is being spread throughout the whole world. God has exalted him for his service and given him the name that is above every name. That's the name of Savior, which was an act of service on our part. He's exalted him, and we worship him, and he's become the example to to all, to us and to all. Therefore, verse 10, we are accountable to him. He's been made king. In verse 10, through the first part of verse 11, he's become the standard by which we will be judged, and therefore he is the supreme Lord and king over all. Verse 10, so that he says, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. That's a picture of at the end of the age, giving an account to him. So, of course, it's a picture of worship, but it's, the, it's a, specifically this idea of bowing before him and giving an account to him. So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, all people, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he is first, that he is greatest. That He is the Son of Man who came to be our Savior, who poured Himself out for the Father and taking upon Himself all of our weakness and all of our burdens in service to us. We worship Him. And then finally, just at the very end of verse 11, all of this results in the glory of the Father. <laughs> verse 11 again, And that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Because all that Jesus is and His service to us is a revelation, it's a manifestation, Uh, of who the Father really is. The Father who willed that all of our burdens be taken and that we be served so that we might be saved, so that we might become imitators of the one who served us, so that we might ultimately rebound again to the glory of God in His love, in His kindness, in His compassion. And so let us have Christ's mind. Though we have been made rich in Christ as sons, let us become poor in service to one another, All to the glory of God the Father. And as we go to prayer this morning, let us go to prayer with hearts full of joy and confidence, knowing and assured that Jesus Christ has taken upon himself all of our spiritual poverty so that we might be swallowed up in all of his spiritual riches.